I had um, spoken a couple of weeks ago, um, and I would, you know, I'd be doing that series on life and laying hold of life. And, and then we, I, I had a message on my heart, and I called it entwined because um, it, it was about waiting on God and, and that, that Hebrew word that is so beautiful, kava, which means to twist, to, to bind together by twisting. And, and we, we, we looked at um, Isaiah, uh, and we looked at Isaiah chapter 40, we looked at Psalm 130, and it said, I will wait on you, and that, that waiting isn't just sort of a, oh, here I am sort of waiting for God to show up, he's a bit late, like you're waiting for the bus. That's not the kind of waiting it's talking at. It's about, it's, an, it's about interweaving yourself with God, about entwining yourself with God. And that's what we do with worship. And that's what we, and so as we, as, as we spoke about that, I, I, want to, I wanted to build from that because if you've been coming for, to uh, Lake Haven for any length of time, I've been laying a lot of foundation over here. We do, we, we, because you never, you know that you never leave the basics, you never leave the basics. You never, ever leave the basics. So what we do in D group with T and Stacy and, and we, with our group that get to, when you, when you get founded in, on, on the cross and the finished work of the cross and what faith righteousness is and what grace is and all of those key elements, what, you know, being established in the love of God, you know, it is so important that those, you, you are constantly, those are constant truths that you are entwining yourself in. That is something that you, you, are, you are allowing your heart to become totally and completely interwoven with that truth. Because you see, God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is the word as well. And, and being the word, um, I, I can't do it easily with two hands, but you know, when he is the Logos, every part of him, every truth about God is part of his character and part of his personhood. And, and so when we, when we interweave, when we... When we think about it just as information, when we hear a message just as information, then all we do is we, we, we sort of put that in our, in our mind reservoir and we just say, well, I know that because I've heard, that, I've heard those words before. You're not giving me new information. But you see, it doesn't stop there. That's why I did that series on life, because to lay hold of life and to take hold of life means that we, we are, it's, it's a necessary part to, is to, to take it right out of that information stage to get your heart interwoven with the reality of who God is. Because each one of those, for example, I mean, I'm not going to go into it big, but when you understand that God is love, and when he says in Ephesians 3 that we should be rooted and grounded in love, that is part of his character. It's an indivisible part of his immutable, unchanging, forever unchanging character. He is love. You can never, you can never touch God, be appropriate. You can't experience God without experiencing love because it's an immutable part of him. But you see, if love is just an information word to you, then you just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know he loves me. But then why did he do this? And why did he do that? And why did he allow this sickness in me? Because you haven't interwoven with his love. It's just been information. You see, when you work a truth and you get it woven into your heart, that thing grind, grind, grounds you. It establishes you, like he says in Ephesians 3, to be rooted and grounded in the knowledge of his love. How high and how deep and how wide and how long is his love, right? And so that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's, that's the beauty of this journey of, of, of walking with Jesus 
is that we are constantly on a journey. We should be on a journey where we hear and we encourage one another in a safe environment, in family, in small groups, towards this goal of entwining, of, of binding ourselves, of, of allowing that, uh, that truth to become part of us. Why? Because, <laughs> because right believing produces the right things in your life. When you believe, I've said this in different ways and many times, but, but, but if, you, if, you, if you believe right, you will have the right experiences. You will live right. It will flow automatically out of your life. Jesus said it this way, clean the inside of your cup and the outside will be clean automatically. But what religion teaches you is religion says, polish up, pull up your bootstraps, try harder, do better. And when, when, the, when, when behavior modification becomes what you are told to do, then you guilt yourself into like, oh, I can't live it up. I can't. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to stop that bad habit. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. And so you, you, you're on the outside trying to become something that you already actually are. Jesus created you a new creation. In, well, when, let me rephrase that properly. When you were born again, Jesus made you a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And so interweaving it and entwining ourselves with that reality of I am a new creation. That is who I am. That that union with the Holy Spirit inside of me is who I am. And I've got to constantly, how I entwine every one of those truths, every one of those things. If, if it's grace or if it's faith righteousness or if it's love, those are realities that I am. And each one of them, <laughs> each one of them is going to produce emotions once it's established in my heart. If it's not producing emotions or if your emotions are being uh, affected in this crazy climate, it's because your heart is not completely established in truth. And listen, none of us are completely established. I use the wrong words. I, I struggle. It's like you, you, the, when you get grounded in some things, you should have that firm foundation. So that, because look, this world is going to be shaken. Stuff is going to be shaken. This world is going crazy. Sorry, <laughs> but face it, it's, it's, there, is, there are things ahead, and, and I'm building up to starting something in the new year. I want to start a series. I want to start looking at end times and, 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 and start looking at stuff, and, I, and the problem is when people start talking end times, it, if, if you're not grounded in the foundations, then it can easily produce fear in people, and it's not the intention. In fact, the Bible calls it the blessed hope. The blessed hope is to understand and to know what's coming. And, and, and listen, before you, you know, we're not going to talk dates and time, but there is ways to understand what's happening. There's ways to be prepared for what's happening. There's a ways to be, and when you understand it and you see things in light of Scripture, what is coming our way, what, it, it becomes easy to recognize and not be, oh my gosh, you know what Fox News said or CNN said or whatever, right? So it is... Guys, these things have to be our foundation. The Word of God, I mentioned this a couple of times, talks about a great falling away. I believe that people who call themselves Christians and aren't believers are going to get 
unreligiousized pretty quickly. Because religion isn't going to scratch the itch. Religion cannot do it. So what they're going to do up by droves is what I believe the end time we're going to see. You're going to see religious people that are just making show, showing up at church, doing the church thing. They, that is, they're going to say, oh, well, there's nothing to that Jesus thing. Just like Fauci said recently. You saw that, right, in the news. He, his own morality is enough to get in there. He was asked about religion. He said, ah, I, don't need, I don't need organized religion in any way. My, my morality is enough to get me there. And I, you know what? The sad thing is, I understand it because he was, all he's experienced is religion. He hasn't experienced the living Christ. You see, when you've experienced the living Christ, you will never say that. But dead religion can't give you that. And let me tell you, I'm going to say this again and again and again and again. The world doesn't understand this. The world doesn't understand this because they do not. They're not only are they blind, they have no eyes to see. It's impossible to convince a person to understand and see kingdom because Jesus said, unless you are born again, you won't even see the kingdom. That's not saying you're going to go to heaven. That's saying you won't even be able to perceive what the kingdom is. Everything I've taught you in the last few years about kingdom living and kingdom principles and how it's by, played upon different things, all of those things, you can't even see it. You can't even perceive it unless you're born again. So when we have an approach, when we don't understand truth and we try and tell the world, you've got to do better and, and stop talking fear and stop doing this, do you, they're not capable Dogs will bark. Sinners will sin. You can't say to a dog, stop barking. Don't you know you're not a dog? You can't tell, you can't tell a sinner to stop sinning. You can't, stop getting, you can't get frustrated with a sinner for, for sinning. They're just behaving like they're their father. The sinner of sinners. They're easily being played by... The spirit of Antichrist that is in the world, they are dancing to the tune because they have no eyes to see. They have to be born again. They have to. And when I say that, I'm not talking about saying a magic little abracadabra prayer. I'm saying you come into relationship with the living Christ. You have a real experience with the living Jesus. When you have a real experience, that, that's why Brian is coming. Brian is coming to teach and train us in January from that Sunday morning. He'll be here and the Sunday through the Wednesday evening so that you know how to share the gospel and live the gospel because that is the only way you're going to see change in your life, in your family, in your children, in your parents, in your community. You have just got to take him to Jesus. He'll do the rest. But guess what? You and Jesus pair up because we've spoken about that. You and the Holy Spirit are one. We work together. Remember Romans 8, we've spoken about that. How the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He works, together, he works together with us. We are partners in this endeavor. You cannot sit in your little hole and pray for God to do the work. It ain't going to happen. You're it. You're it. You are Jesus with skin on. 
And you are awesome. <laughs> you are. You are. You are awesome. You are the reason. You are what people can see. It's not about filling information and chasing that, that thing, just about having information so you can know the right answers. Listen, nobody's going to give you a test. There's not going to be a multiple choice test at St. Peter's imaginary gates. <laughs> uh, let me see if you pass this. At least if you've got to get five out of six out of ten. And no. You either know Jesus, you're trusting in Jesus, or you don't. You're either relying on dead religion. We, we pray and we have these, oh, can't you know me, oh, okay. you, we, 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 we pray and we make these religious things to try and earn rewards from God. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hearing it on TV, how they see movies, how they see God. They, are, they don't know God. The way they present religion is, is so sad. It's so sad. But it's, it's accurate. Because it's just this empty religious thing. I get sick to my stomach when people wear special clothes. I'm sorry. Some of them are probably born again, maybe. I, I don't know. Let God be the judge. I, I, it's like, if you are wearing special clothes and standing up and sitting down and doing this and lighting this and blowing this out and waving this around. And, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you, if you're trying to earn something from God, you, the Bible calls it dead works. By grace through faith. That's all. God has given us his work freely by grace. You cannot earn it. I can't earn it. Nobody can earn anything of what Jesus has freely given us. And he's given us everything in him in our inheritance. And you know these things because I say it so often. But, but we, 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 if you don't make a, a, a perspective change, and I call this message perspective, if you, don't allow, if you don't allow yourself to see things, you can be rattled because you aren't grounded in truth. And listen, guys, it's just a determination. You've got to let the Holy Spirit, if you are open to the Holy Spirit leading you, He will be prompting you and steering you in the right direction. And he will, you will be establishing yourself in the Word of God. I can tell you most Christians today don't even read the Word of God. Some Christians just get like a Bible verse every day, and they quickly rode through a devotional, and it's just like in one ear and out the other. That ain't going to cut it. I mean, Jesus is not even giving you a gold star for that. Do you understand that there's not any gold stars? It's not about that. It's about getting your heart established in truth. This is why. <laughs> I don't know if you have that little picture that Corin put that picture of the of the men. You, you see that. Figure that picture out. Who's right? Can you see? Is it a six or is it a nine? Or should we argue? You see, it's a six or a nine depending on where you're standing. Correct? Perspective. I said this to you before. If there was a man on top of the hill who and a car and he, and, and a car, he left the car, his car break off and it was in neutral and it was rolling down the hill and there was a guy at the bottom of the hill and he was looking upwards, he couldn't say to the guy at the bottom, hey, don't worry, it's, the car is rolling away. The guy at the bottom is like, uh-uh, it ain't. You see, you see, the one's got the benefit of just having a perspective. The other ones could lose his life from his perspective. There's, a, there's, there's elements of understanding truth and getting our hearts established in truth yes. that is essentially important because there's, um, 
what you believe determines what you see. I heard a story that Charlie Chaplin, years ago, I believe it's a true story, he joined a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest. <laughs> Apparently it's true. And he lost. <laughs> because he was, at the time, he was probably one of the most known and recognizable people in the world. And they, they would dress up and act like he did in the movies. They didn't expect a normal man to walk in who was really the real Charlie Chaplin. And he didn't win. Because <laughs> they... But, but it's, you see what you expect to see. If you read the Bible because you believe that God is mean and angry and he's got a bunch of stuff for you to do to live right, that's all you're going to see. I read the Bible like that for years. From a, from a religious from a perspective, I, my heart was persuaded in religion. And, and so when I opened the Bible, I saw condemnation. Shannon, you're not living right. You're not doing enough. You're not giving enough. You're not doing this enough. You're not doing that enough. I had, why? Because my heart, that was what was in my heart. That was the filter that was in my heart. Remember I did that message with the 3D glasses? You can, you can, you can see things. You, your heart is a filter. At least that's where your belief systems are stored. But you, what you believe in your heart does determine what you will see. And it comes to this about any truth. For example, you know, um, time, we know, technically speaking, for us on, on earth, at least in the same altitude, time is exactly the same for everybody. There's no difference in time. Technically, scientifically, if you want to, whatever, there's no difference in time. But time can be perceived differently, Right? So, um, you know, we could see, for example, there, there's this poem. To realize the, well, not a poem. I don't even know what you'd call it. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who has failed a final exam. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who has given birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask an editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. To realize the value of one minute, ask the person who has missed the bus or plane. To realize the value of one second, ask a person who, is who survived an accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, ask the person who won silver in the Olympics. You see, each time, time can, be, can, time can have a different perspective, right? Time doesn't change, but the way you value time and the way you see time can change. And it's the same with so many things. God, God's perspective entering into the kingdom, when you allow the word of God and you choose to have a humble heart and you choose to pursue humility, then, then your heart will be adapting and changing to see these, these words will be redefined. Wealth will be refined. You won't even, you won't, you will choose to see wealth. You'll choose, let me put it this way. You'll choose to see success differently. Do you know that God defines success definitely not like the world defines success? The world defines success, and you can see millions of, of self-help books. The world defines success by, are you increasing? Are you making more money? Are you more important than the next guy? Did you reach the top of your thing? That's how the world defines success. But guess what? Do you know that we are eternal beings? 
We live in an age. This age will come to an end and we're going to enter another one. If you only see the world, if you only have a perspective in your heart that this is all you've got, then you're going to try and squeeze every last drop of it. But if you see eternity, and you're going to do all things, people do all kinds of things in the name of living it up or whatever it is. But if we have an eternal perspective and we see God's view of things, he says, listen, guys, store up for the future. He's talking about post-death. You, you are and can store up for the future. Do you know that? There's scripture for that. You can have a better resurrection. Yes, that's in the Bible. But you see, if you just live your life because your perspective of success is how much money you have in your bank account, you're going to make choices and see things only through that paradigm. <laughs> that paradigm I would like well. So, but, but success, it's the same with how we see life, how we see fear, how we see love. Everything that we see has got a perspective. So, uh, I mean, it's got, truth can only be defined in one very specific way. It's God's way or not. Because there's, of course, you've heard these words going around. It's, well, that's not my truth. My truth? It's like, what? There is no such thing as my truth. There is only one reality, and that's God's, re God's view and opinion is ultimate reality. You see, um, you've heard this statement before. Um, the truth that is, has got the most potential to, to, um, to offend you or will likely will offend you, has got the most potential to bring freedom to you. And that's very true. Because you would be experiencing, look, every one of us thinks we know it all, pretty much. We think that we see everything clearly, but obviously we don't. Even husbands and wives don't agree. I mean, unless, also Corin and I don't, at least. I'm the one who's right. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's not fair. She's in children's room. No, no, uh, no. Has, we, we see we see things differently, and and you know, uh, and we we hold on to we hold on to being right so desperately. You know why? Because our self worth is established on being right. We don't want to fear being wrong, because then. I, my worth. I, what do you, then? Then I'm wrong. I, 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 you, your ego is in the way. Your ego, you've got your entire ego set up on being right. Your self-worth is not established on Jesus, and it can be. Your self-worth is established on being right. You see, and this is the problem, because as long as you hold on to being right, you will stay wrong and experience all the wrong perspectives because you won't allow yourself to be challenged. By the word of God. And guess what? The truth that offends you the most. Is the truth that can bring you the most freedom. So the question you have to ask yourself is how much freedom do I want to experience? I'm not talking about just being offensive for the sake of being offensive. I'm talking about letting the Bible, let God's true truth be truth. Do we want to walk in kingdom principles or don't we? Or do we want to play religious games? Do we want to just say the words? Because when the tacky hits the tar, 
well, then you when the uh, rubber hits the road, <laughs> when 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 the world is, we need, you you need to, you when you are established in reality as God sees it, you're immovable. Immovable. Doesn't matter what happens. You can be like those three boys, those three Hebrew boys that said, listen, I don't care if you're going to throw us in the fire or not. I don't care. You, you, I'm not bowing down to that thing. You can go ahead and throw me in the fire. That's fine. I think our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, I'm not going to do that. That's how persuaded. Or David, when he's facing Goliath, and like, well, he took on Goliath. He wasn't, didn't even happen start. He said, I'll take him on. Why? Because he knew God. He knew his God. He was firmly established in his covenant. Not, his, he, the fear wasn't even close to him. Remember I told you we have a capacity for fear. Everybody has a capacity to fear. You, you, keep, you determine your capacity to fear. You will fill it up with something. Honestly, you will. You will fear COVID. You will fear bugs in the air. You're going to fear whatever else you want to. You're going to fear something's coming down the pike. You're going to fear this. You're going to fear you don't have enough bullets, beans, and whatever else. You're going to fear something. You're going to fear because you're going to feel, unless your heart, unless perfect love has found its maturity in your heart and you have no place for fear, where do you want to live? Do you want to live in a place where you are played? You know, fear is the dominating factor. That's what the, that's what the Antichrist uses. It's the currency that he causes the masses to follow him with. Fear. When you are liberated from fear, you cannot be moved. You cannot be pushed. You cannot be directed. Because what are you going to fear? What are you going to do to me? Kill me? Like what? So what? You're going to kill me or then what? I go to heaven. What about you? I ain't scared of death. Why should I be? Why? Why, do we scare? Why are we afraid of death? Because we don't believe the word of God. We don't, we've got a limited amount of, 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 oh, I've got only so many weeks to live or so many months to live. It's like, big deal, party, whatever. Do what Jesus told you to do. <laughs> Listen, it gets better if you're with Jesus. You realize that, right? Or don't you believe that? I remember I started getting a, a revelation of, of heaven and it was, be, I, I, it, 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 the more I meditated on heaven and what scripture was saying, the more excited I get. Eventually, my heart was like palpitating. It was like, over a while, you, you can get that place. That's why it says, when we get to it in First Thessalonians 4 and 5, it talks about what's coming. And it says that we can encourage one another. There is going to be a rapture. <laughs> and we can discuss all of those things. But, but that's... That's exciting stuff. We can, we can encourage one another and do those things. But you see, if you don't see things that way, if you don't allow your mind to be changed, guess what? You see things from a different perspective. You, you, you make it because you're seeing it through a different perspective. You may be calling it a nine when it's really a six. But it is a nine. I can see it's a nine. And you can argue bitterly that it's a nine. But really it's a six. And what you had did, if you, were, if you had let the word of God speak to you, if you had allowed you to say, okay, Lord, listen, I want truth more than anything. Jesus, I want you more than anything. I am totally willing to adopt what you have to say. I'm willing to release that. And listen, it's a journey. 
It's, it's a journey. We are, it's, it's, you aren't going to get it all in one day, but it has to, it, I, I say, I, it's great to read a devotional. But are you, are you taking scripture? How much of scripture are you letting persuade your heart? Are you taking a truth and entwining yourself with that truth? Are you binding it together to say there's a reality here that I can meditate on? Because I'm telling you, when you do that, when you learn that little art, and, and, and it's, I know it takes work. You've got to set time aside to, like, wow, look, that's a reality, and imagine it and see it. I, I see that reality that Jesus did for me, and that's who I really am in Christ. And, and you've got to meditate and imagine and see yourself that I really am the righteousness of God. This is, and and when, when those things become your reality, one thing you find is that it changes inside. It's, it changes everything it's going to change like i said you the things that you've struggled with i wonder if i should say that stop trying to deal with the issue deal with the root please don't abuse that statement i'm not saying if you have a trouble with alcohol stop don't go stop drinking start drinking that that's not what i'm saying I'm saying that you, you can trade out all kinds of addictions, all kinds of addictions, if you don't deal with the root. You can trade some kind of addiction for a religious addiction. You can become some kind of a monk and live in Nepal on some mountaintop. And you can say, there, you see, I'm delivered. No, you, you're actually not. You can be raging with your thoughts inside of you because you've never... You've never changed what you believe, but just because you've removed yourself from any bar within a thousand miles, you think that you're delivered. That's not deliverance. That's not victory. It's better, it's better than struggling with the, the issue, right? But don't deceive yourself into thinking, change your heart, change your perspective, be a way to, to, to change your paradigm. So Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus said that uh, a Pharisee had come to him um, and, and he had said to say in, in verse 25, and he had said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is written in the law and how do you read it? Very interesting statement. Jesus asked him, what is written and how do you read it? And then when he says, you know, love the Lord your God, call your heart son, love your neighbor and yourself, he says, bang on. He says, do these things and you will live. How you read it. And, and, and in, in my toy box here, what I try to, it's kind of be hard, but you know my Logos thing that I pulled out every one ago. I, my Hoberman sphere here, I love the imagery of the Logos. God's word is interconnected. Every bit, every, every piece of the Word of God is connected. It's not independent of any other piece. Nothing from Genesis to Revelation. Nothing is independent. Nothing has been done away with. The Word of God is still there. The old and new are covenants. Just covenants. The covenants have changed, but that doesn't mean the Word of God has is, is been done away with. Everything is related and connected. You see, as we allow ourselves to be changed by the Word of God, there's three particular areas that I believe that we absolutely will have to change our, our view. Let me just put it, the three most important areas 
And I heard this years ago, and as I've meditated on for ages, I believe it's absolutely true. It's the truth of who God is. Who is God? All the truth about him. In other words, how the Bible speaks about him, what it's revealed about his character and nature. We've seen that. We've seen who God is in Jesus. How Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the exact image. It says in Hebrews and in Colossians, he is the precise image. If you've, he, there's so many places where it says that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So looking at the life of Jesus, looking at the Old Testament, looking at the names of God. All of those things, allowing this revelation, interconnected Genesis to Revelation, who is God? What is he like? It is very clear. There are so many perspectives, so many perspectives to take when you understand that he is faithful and true. He cannot be anything else but faithful and true. But we don't believe that. We think that we've got to wait for the bus to see if he'll show up. We don't know if he will because we think he's a liar. That's kind of what we think. We don't know what to think because we just don't get established in who he is. But when we, when we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is who God is. He is faithful and true. He is the great I am. He will never leave me or forsake me. He, all of these facts, these things become an entwined reality in your heart. When it becomes an entwined reality in your heart, I know him. And that's a journey. But rather than saying, hey, listen, I don't want to get on the train. Of course we get on the train. They say each journey, journey of a thousand miles proverbially starts with a single step. As you walk into, he, listen, guys, he's a good God. He is a good God. It is a joy to get to know him. Walking in a, a progressive revelation of who he is. Making that personal relationship with him is your priority. Getting to know him. We don't get to know the Bible, the God of the, you know, we get to know the God of the Bible. Does that make sense? I'm going to say it again. Don't get to just know the Bible, but use the Bible, all of it, Genesis to Revelation, to get to know him. Look at him in the pages. There's been so many quotes over the years that have said those in, in different ways. But getting to know God beyond a shadow of a doubt. You can't say, oh, well, we just don't know who he is. That's a bunch of religious nonsense. It's clearly revealed, clearly, character, who he said he is, who Jesus is, all of those things, what Jesus accomplished at the cross, etc. All of those things, number one, who God is. Number two, who am I? Who did he make me? Who did he make me before I was born again? Who did he make humans to be? What rights did he give mankind? What is man's position on earth? All of these are in the word of God. Men, if you know your identity is one way we said. When you know your identity in Jesus, that is huge. Because suddenly, I am not swindled so easily by some religious person. Or by some lie that's presented out there. I know who I am. 
When I know and I get established in the finished work of the cross, that my, the, the things that we've been talking for so long about, about our heart, our, our, we've become one spirit with him. Our unity and our union with the spirit of Christ. All of these truths, who am I, how I work with him, the Holy Spirit, etc. All of these, who am I? When I get born again, and, and listen, if you're here as part of the family, I'm so glad you are. And if you're not part of the family yet, or you're watching online, it's an awesome family. We don't even charge much for membership. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> paid. What do they say about that? The premiums have been paid. It's like the greatest life insurance policy ever. All your premiums are paid, and the benefits are out of this world. <laughs> well, they benefits here too, but but knowing, getting established, pursuing these things. So, number one, knowing who God is. Number two, know your identity in Christ. And then, lastly, who the devil is. You need to know who the devil is, because what has been presented by pop culture and movies and religion and Dante's Inferno and paintings and religion is sickening. It's sickening. And this is what I found over the years. And one of the reasons I actually don't speak about the devil a lot, and many of you know that. I rarely speak about the devil, but we need to speak about the devil. Because people get mad. When I start speaking about the devil, I hope none of you leave the church. I really do. But my experience has been people want the devil to have way more power than he has. And their ego will not let him be put in his place. Remember I said the truth that offends you the most will be the truth that can most set you free. Are you willing to learn the truth about the devil? What happens if we start looking at things about the devil that we don't see in the New Testament? And we, don't, and we see what Jesus said about the devil. And suddenly you realize that you've written the book wrong. Or you've written ten books wrong. Or you've spent many, many nights wailing at the devil shouting down it, doing warring tongues. I don't know if you remember that thing. Bark like a lion. I mean, growl like a lion. Jump like, doing all bunches of quote-unquote spiritual warfare. And you think, I can't acknowledge the fact that I've wasted that much time. I would rather be wrong. I would rather just walk out and say, no, I'm going to just believe that the devil is who I want to believe he is. Those three areas, who God is, who you are, and who the devil is, those are perspectives that you, you and I need to get God's perspective on, essentially. When we see God's perspective, I'm telling you, you're going to be liberated. I can remember coming out of Africa one time and I had seen, I hadn't seen nearly as much demonic possession. I mean, I've seen a lot. I've seen so much demonic possession. And I don't fear witch doctors or 
the devil or anything anymore because I, I can remember coming back and laughing at some of the movies I, that used to scare me. Because a friend was watching these movies and I just thought, how stupid, how ridiculous. Because when you know truth, truth sets you free. You know, and it's amazing. You know, we claim to be the world. We, we, we as humans claim to be so scientific and sound this. And then you go through the news headlines and they've got um, astrology charts and who says what and did you know this person is this. And they make a big deal of all these weirdly supernatural things. I was like, they are so confused about truth. Because so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said that. Who is going to be your final authority? If you haven't decided what your final authority is, you're on a very shaky foundation. Because if you're going to say, well, no, I forget the Bible. I'm going to use the Bible as one of my many books. But I'm really going to go and listen to all these other religions and see what this guy says and that guy says and that guy says. Well, that's your choice. God has given you a free will. Now, that doesn't make you right. I, I know some people define tolerance differently. Okay, I get that. Some people, I, I'm going to say that this way. I believe God gave us a free will for many reasons. For number one, without free will, love cannot exist. Otherwise, it's no love. Free love has to be because you want to and you choose to. It cannot be. That's why there had to be a tree in the garden. Of all the many thousands of trees that were in the garden, there had to be a tree so that there could be a choice. Otherwise, love couldn't exist. Anyhow. I can't remember where I was going with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's this free will, but I mean, yeah. Anyhow, I'll come back to me. The truth, the truth, though, that we have to be absolutely... Where was I going before that? Anybody help me? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just talking like it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Your final... Yeah, it has to be your final... It, the Word of God has to be your absolute final authority because if you haven't decided that you are going to be played like a fiddle I, that's what i was going to say tolerance that's the thing i was on when when you are tolerant i believe god has given us free will and he's not saying by tolerance i am not saying there are more than one road that leads to heaven there isn't there is only one his name is jesus by which men can be saved only Jesus. There is none other. Where free will come, God accepts your free will. If you choose not to believe him, that's your choice. And I feel that that is absolutely, you have got, we have to, because we're made in the image of God, we don't want people to make the wrong choices, but they will. And I've witnessed that as a pastor over years. Some people will continually choose the hard way, the wrong way. I have visited jail. I've visited people in jail. I have had some success and I have some, some that are tremendously sad stories because they will not choose truth. They will not. They choose to 
be the God of themselves and worship their ego and their opinion. The sad, sad, there is going to be a judgment day, people. Do you do realize that? There is going to be a judgment day, and the judgment is not what you've done and what you've not done as much as, and I could get into that in detail because I've got to use more time than I'd like to today. There is a reward for believers for works. Believe it or not, there is going to be rewards in heaven for works, what you have done and accomplished, good works. Um, But there is not going to be a judgment of your righteousness. When you have received Jesus, the great white throne judgment is for people who have chosen to say, I can do it. I'm here without Jesus. Look how good my good way, my good works outweigh the bad. That kind of judgment. God's gonna that you see, so tolerance, tolerance is God saying, Hey, listen, we love you. We love you as a person, no matter what you believe. Amen. But that doesn't make you right. That doesn't make you right. Only one is right. Only one is truth. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to wrap up here because I know that's, that's chunky, but um, yeah. Don't let, your, don't let your worth be established. Please don't let your worth be established on being right. Make a decision. Make a decision about what you will allow in your heart. Who will be your final authority? Will you allow the whole of God's word? Jesus called himself the Logos. He is the Logos, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Let the Logos be your final authority. And then as we look at these things, and, I, and I am, I'm saying this because, as I said, we're going to go next week and the following week, we're going to specifically have um, a Christmas service. We're going we're gonna to look at some, just a basic gospel message next week, which is going to be awesome. And we just celebrate Christmas time and celebrate the birth of our Savior and remember that and, uh, and about how he's Emmanuel and the Prince of Peace. And that's, that's what we're going to just celebrate next week as a family. And then we're going to do communion the following week. And then we're going to have Brian. Please make a priority of coming to that. And then when we get into some of these things, I want your hearts to be prepared. In fact, close your eyes a second here. Let me ask you that question. Will you let your heart be prepared? Do you believe God is really good? I remember when I had the privilege of having really awesome parents. Some, many, maybe haven't had a great parent. But I remember even with my parents, I don't know if I remember waking up as a little kid, having a bad dream, or there was thunder and lightning, and lying in bed in absolutely a cold sweat, building up enough courage to jump out of bed and jump into my parents' bed. And I remember thinking many years later, it's amazing how safe you feel with your parents, with your father, with your mother that loves you. The Word of God calls him, our father, father. He calls him a refuge. He is the rock. 
He is the fortress. You should have such a intimate and passion to know that He is your safe place to run to. There is nothing, nothing that is going to hurt you, that He is going to intentionally hurt you with. The truth that He gives you or provides for us is to help us. So then again, I ask the question, who will be your final authority? Will you let Him set those truths in your life? Will you allow yourself to change? What are you going to do when truth offends? What are you going to do when truth offends? Are you going to go and check it out in Scripture? Are you going to pray and say, Holy Spirit, you are the revealer. You are the teacher of the, tr- the, of the church. You teach me and show me. I pray that that's our, each one of our desires to absolutely know Him and know truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are indivisible from our hearts. We're born again. You are our teacher, that you are our helper, that you show us things to come, that you are the director, the shepherd. You lead us beside still waters. You lead us. You feed us, you guide us, you guard us if we do things your way. Thank you for being the loving Father that you are. Now, if you are here or brought with a friend and you don't know it or you're watching online, if you do not know Jesus or you feel like you want to get to know him that way, just make a sincere prayer to him. Just say, Lord Jesus, I've really messed up and I, I've thought all these things and I've believed a lot of junk and I just ask you to be my teacher, my helper. I just, I just give my life and heart to you. Surrender to him, to his love and to his lordship. That's all you need to do. And then contact us and we can help you with other steps and next steps. But... It's a genuine approach, an authentic expression of what's happening in your heart. That's all. If you're fearful, tell him. He knows. But I can tell you what. He wants to reassure you. He wants to be your refuge. He wants to be your strength. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in each one's hearts. In my heart, Father. Thank you for truth that brings freedom and sets us free. We love you, Father. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, if you're one of those, please know that we've got awesome...